Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. <laughs> Welcome to a brand new day with Stephanie J. And I am saying good morning because it is actually early in the morning. It is actually 6.19 a.m. And I am up podcasting. I'll tell you all about it in a few moments, but first I want to just start off by saying a short prayer. Father, we just thank you for this day. This is the day that you have made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I am so grateful for another opportunity to say thank you and also another opportunity to speak with my listening audience who I pray your blessings upon on this day. I thank you for all of your blessings that you have bestowed upon us, too numerous to name. Father, I pray for your people as they start their days, wherever they are, whatever is going on in their lives, even if there is something unexpected. Father, I pray that you would give them the wisdom and the strength to navigate through whatever it is. And I pray, oh God, for those who are less fortunate in this world right now, wherever they may be, I pray that you would meet them where they are and do as your word says and supply their needs according to your riches and glory. I thank you, Father, that you have nothing but good thoughts and good plans and good intentions where your children are concerned. And I thank you for your amazing love, your amazing grace that has kept us thus far. And for everything, I say thank you in Jesus' mighty name. And so why am I up this time of morning podcasting? I guess it started yesterday. I did not sleep at all last night. In fact, I was up until after 6 a.m. And I was like, what is going on with me? I didn't have any type of caffeine or anything like that. I drank about a cup and a half of herbal tea. Now, I'm drinking a new herbal tea, and maybe that did it. I'm drinking um, ginger and green tea. I, I just couldn't understand why I couldn't sleep. So I was up, you know, watching some documentaries. I've been doing that quite a bit lately. Um, and I, I just couldn't rest. And so when I finally did get to sleep, I popped up at 7:47 a.m. and I couldn't get back to sleep so I got up out of the bed after eight o'clock and I began to you know work out and do some things and um, I was just pretty much energetic throughout the day before I left out I did some house cleaning and a small load of laundry had to go out and take care of some stuff and on that list was to get my car inspection and so I went to the station that I normally go to 
and the man said, um, you just want to do your safety. He said, what about your emissions? Because, you know, your tags expire by, um, the end of the month. So I said, well, you know what? Yeah, let me go ahead and take care of them both. And I was grateful that I did and happy as I pulled away as my car passed both inspections. Those of you who own vehicles, you know, um, how challenging it can be when you have stuff going on and then on top of it your car doesn't meet inspection and then you know there are other things that you have to do and so I went on to my next destinations and you know had a, a really good day and came back in in the early evening and I fixed a pretty quick dinner and you know just doing normal stuff and I realized I didn't feel tired until I went upstairs in the evening. And by this time, it's like after nine o'clock. By 10 o'clock, going on 10 o'clock, I really started to feel tired. So I said, well, let me lay down for a little bit and rest. And we put the Bible on CD. And so at some point, I drifted off to sleep and I'm having these short bizarre dreams a few family members were in my dream and then I'm awakened out of my sleep at it was 4:05 a.m. and I was a little startled because I heard this really deep voice and it was in the room and I completely forgot that the bible was on and we were listening to the CD with <laughs> the books of the Apostle Paul. And this particular CD, it starts with the book of Ephesians and it has maybe like five or six books on it. And so this deep voice said, I, Paul, the prisoner. I was like, oh my goodness. So I realized, you know, it was the Bible. And um, I got up. And I started to pray for a while, realized that I wasn't really sleepy. Then after a while, I started to feel really hungry. Now, yesterday was, you know, kind of a long day. And then I realized I really didn't eat much of anything. Um, while I was working out, I had water and I had sliced some pineapples up at the end of my workout. And so I ate pineapples before we left out and I didn't eat anything on the way driving home, which was hours later, I ate a snack and then I came home and ate just a little bit of uh, my dinner. And so I felt really hungry. And so after five o'clock, I came downstairs, I ate a little something, ate little, you know, two pieces of uh, pineapple, drank a little bit of water, went back upstairs and so now it's going on uh, five o'clock and I still continue to pray. And at 4.59 exactly, I began to pray for my listeners. That includes you if you are listening or if you will be listening. And I started to pray some prayers that triggered a childhood memory. And I thought, hmm... I think I should share that. And it just kind of spiraled into some other thoughts. And so when I finished praying, I opened up my Kindle 
And there was a book that I was reading and I decided after skimming through it a little bit that I didn't want to finish it. So I clicked off of that and I clicked on a book that I got about a week ago. And the title of the book is called Boss Up. This Ain't Your Mama's Business Book by Lindsay Teague Moreno. I guess that's how you pronounce it. M-O-R-E-N-O, Moreno. And I read the foreword and I read the introduction. And some of the things that she says in her introduction, I, I was just like, wow, I could have written this myself. And in addition to her other businesses, she's also a, she was a stay-at-home mom. I'm a homeschool mom and um, I've done you know, several businesses through the years. So she titles it mom entrepreneurship instead of entrepreneurship. And she also podcasts and she's an author, which I am as well. And so I was really intrigued and just really interested. And so I wanted to just kind of drop that into this episode because I am going to be talking about phenomenal women and yes women we are phenomenal I don't care what anyone says what anyone has said what anyone tries to tell you or make you feel about yourself I want you to know this morning that we are phenomenal in fact Dr. Maya Angelou told us that in a poem and so you can go and look that up if you need to be reminded or even reassured the Bible in Psalm 139 tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and in the book of Isaiah it says whose report will you believe and I don't know about you but I choose to believe what God has said and written about me and so back to why I'm up as I was thinking about um this story from my childhood and then you know reading the intro of this book when I finished it was 602 and I tried to lie down but the thoughts were just spiraling out of control and I said you know I, I just can't rest I just I have to get up I'm not tired I have so much energy I had a really good workout yesterday and I just had so much energy I said I gotta get up and go talk to the people and so I came that way I peeked in my son's room his room is right above the stairs and next to my room so I kind of looked in and I said hey I said, I can't sleep, so I'm going downstairs to podcast. He said, well, when you're an adult, you can do things like that. He said, I'm going to do stuff like that when I get old. <laughs> so I came down. I have on my, you know, warm hoodie. It's a little chilly downstairs. And I have on my pajama pants, and I'm wrapped in my son's dino blanket. And hopefully it's not picking up too much, but I have a small portable heater on the table because I didn't want to turn the heat on because it's loud and it clicks on and off. So I'm sitting on the comfort of my sofa and I have the blinds open and the backyard light on 
and it's quiet and it's peaceful and I'm grateful for that. And so I wanted to share what's on my mind while I'm feeling motivated and I'm feeling inspired. And I hope that this goes a long way to inspire you throughout this day and throughout the days to come because let's face it, in the strange times that we're living in, we could all use a dose of encouragement every now and again. And so I want to first share a little story and it came to me this is something that I think about it maybe once a year it's, it's not something that's plaguing me anymore I will call it a bittersweet memory and the reason uh, my thoughts triggered this event in my life is because of how I was praying for the listeners. And when I began to pray, you know, God, there are lonely and hurt people out here. There are people who have been rejected and so on, so on and so forth. There are people who are hurting. And I said, everyone doesn't know to pray or know how to pray or maybe even want to pray. I said, some people are drowning their sorrows and trying to numb the pain with alcohol and drugs and other vices. But, you know, God, I'm asking you to touch your people, heal your people. So I'm praying like this. And I thought of a lady in my elementary school uh, we called her Miss Essie. Her name was Esther. And when I was seven, I remember this so well. And I remember all of the details like it happened yesterday. The only thing about the story now, even as I'm sharing it, there are no emotions attached to it. And so I know that I've healed from it. And I just honestly believe that sharing this will help someone else. And so she came into my life at that age because, you know, in school I was a very shy kid and I stayed to myself. I was always more of an introverted individual. I always got attention, but I never wanted the attention. I was always shy and always one to go to the back of the class and not like, you know, a spotlight put on me. And so she told my parents when they came to the school, when she, you know, introduced herself, she said, I just fell in love with your daughter. And I remember I could see her just as plain as day today with her freckles on her face and her, you know, her crooked teeth and her smile and her loud voice. She was so warm and friendly. And she said, you know, she's so pretty. I, I just wanted to steal her from myself. She said, but I noticed her. She said the first few days of school, she come out and stand up against the wall and she just watched the other kids just play she said and so every day I come out 
and look for her and I just watch her and she just stand there. And one day she just came over to me and she was like, you know, what's your name? And, you know, why are you standing over here by yourself? And, you know, why don't you want to play with the other kids and things like that? And, you know, as time went on, she would speak and I would, you know, hi, Miss Essie and, you know, things like that. And she had a daughter. Um, they called her Neat. And um, she introduced me to her daughter and she took me to her house a few times to play with her daughter. And her daughter had been uh, burned in a house fire. And so she had kind of lost uh, the use of her limb. She had like a, a half of a limb. And I, I can remember us playing board games and being in her bedroom and having snacks and stuff like that. So it was a, it was a really good feeling. And my parents married when I was seven. My brother was two, a little, about two and a half years younger than I was. So he was five, you know, when they got married. And around the time when I was about eight or turning eight, they changed my last name to my father's last name and um I wasn't really crazy about that because I was born a Harris and to this day that is the name that I like and wish that I had I was born Stephanie Harris but they changed our last name when I was eight and Miss Essie at the time was not familiar with this change because it had just happened. And so I had this incident that occurred and I'm being totally honest about the situation. I see no no reason to lie or to try to um, embellish facts or anything like that. I just don't believe in doing that. So I'm, I'm being transparent and I'm being transparent for a reason. And to a lot of people, this may not be something major, but I realized years ago that this was something in my childhood that kind of damaged my self-esteem. And it wasn't, I don't think so much about the incident. It was about the response and the reaction and the negative connotation that it held on me mentally. And so once again, that's why I'm sharing the memory. So back to Miss Essie, you know, we had this wonderful relationship for about a year or so now. The woman is taking me to her home and, you know, showing me special favor at school and things like that. So I went to school with some kids who were just not very nice. I can see them all, remember them all. But there was this one kid in particular, and he was a tall, goofy boy. His name was Teron Stevens. Yes, I remember his name. <laughs> I remember him. I can see him sitting in front of me, tall, long, hanging out of the, the desk. You remember the school desk that we used to sit in? And he was just really silly, really goofy, always cracking jokes and stuff. Now, I understand today about kids like that. I understand that there were probably 
things going on around him in his home or whatever. And he was just a, a really distracting kid, even, you know, in the classroom. But he was always making jokes and saying stuff about people and stuff like that. And so at this particular time, our desks were right in front of each other. And this one day, for whatever reason, he decides to start picking with me. And he started writing little notes on um, a piece of paper, making jokes about me, talking about my mother and stuff like that. And so when I looked at the paper, he slid it over to me and he's laughing and drawing little pictures, you know, little pictures that's supposed to be my mother and stuff like that. So I'm, I did what a normal kid would do. And I started kind of retaliating. And so, you know how it is when you're in school, you write your name on top of a paper. And I remember, I remember it was the lined paper that we wrote on. It was like that uh, tannish color paper. Even today, you know, when I trained my son Christian with his handwriting, I found those very same type of books with that paper at the Dollar Tree and stores like Five Below Carry It. And so I had already written my name on paper, but it was... It was a paper, like a scratch paper. And so I remember writing stuff back to him, writing stuff about his mom. And he drew a what was supposed to be a naked picture, a funny looking picture of my mother. And I retaliated in my own eight year old way of drawing. And I remember I drew a fat, you know, picture of what was supposed to be his mom and he drew my mom like bald headed and you know these kooky eyes and stuff like that and so for whatever reason you know we were children we weren't thinking about oh I better get rid of this in case anybody sees it or anything like that it was just you know some jokes and some silly pictures and I don't know if I had it or if he had it. One of us folded up the paper and somehow leaving the classroom, the paper dropped in the hallway. That's all I know. And so, you know, in elementary school, you're going from class to class. You go to recess and lunch and things like that. So the next day, I was absent from school. And then... When I came back to school, I was greeted by Miss Essie, but not in the normal, typical way that she had always greeted me. I can still picture the look on her face, and I'm just like looking at her, and she was like, I found this in the hallway, and she opened up the paper, so I looked, and I looked at the picture, and I remember I looked up at her. She said, I am so surprised at you, and it was like this really disappointed uh look on her face and the act and the mean way she spoke to me you would never know that this was the lady who had so much affection for me and I remember her literally beating me down and not physically but really literally beating me down with her tongue in that hallway to the point where I remember dropping my head and and I felt such shame come over me. And I was thinking to myself, like, Dad, we, it wasn't that bad. You know, we were making little jokes. And I, I remember there were a few little curse words in it. He was saying something like A and corny this and 
uh, things like that. And I, I wrote a few things back or whatever. But she acted like it was something so horrific. And she said, and you know, I would have never known who you were because I didn't recognize this last name, Kilcrest. I thought your name was Harrison. Kids telling me that that's your name. And, oh, I'm so surprised at you. And she was, you know, she said a few things and she just kind of walked away from me. And I just said, well, I'm sorry. You know, I, I didn't think that and she's like oh, I, I don't believe this you were such a nice kid you know that quiet kid that used to hang on the wall and da, 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 you know but what she didn't know is the type of environment that I was growing up in now, I'm not going to say it was horrible as opposed to you know what some kids are coming up in or some kids might have uh, come up under at that time but I grew up in a household with at that time you know my parents were young they were living together they were into the drug and alcohol scene yes they had parties they had company coming in um my father played all kinds of music and some of the music that he played had profanity and stuff like that in it even though we were sent upstairs or sometimes we'd be outside playing and come in on the weed and stuff like that we were exposed to that also you know there was domestic violence and things like that so thank god that it could have been much worse than anything you know, that happened at that time. Thank God I didn't go off the deep end or follow that path, but it does affect you. And I'll save that for some other podcasts because what I got out of a lot of my childhood experiences was a repressed anger that would end up coming out later during the years. But so back to this incident, I remember hanging my, my head in shame and my relationship with her was never the same again and it was never restored. And, you know, I remember when I would see her around the school and I'd say, hi, Miss Essence, she'd be like, hi, and, you know, just keep it moving. I never went to play with her daughter again or anything like that. And I, I don't remember to this day that she ever said anything to Tehran. He still continued to be the same silly kid that he was. But after that, I remember kind of pulling away from him. I didn't associate with him too much more after that because I recognized that he was a troublemaker. And so the thought that I had um, this morning where we're concerned women to bring it up to date how many times do we, now I, I didn't start it, I did it, but I got sucked into it. At eight years old, I did not understand, I, I did not have a maturity to foresee what might come out of that. It was just like, oh, okay, you insulting my mom, you insulting me, you're making jokes, okay, I'm going to do the same to you. And that's what happened, but I didn't see where it was so bad but she berated and and just made me feel like I had done something so horrible that I held my head down for a long time and I had to see this woman because this was my elementary school up until the sixth grade and so I had to continue to see her for years and then you know I graduated I went to 
middle school, we caught the school bus out to the northeast section of Philadelphia and it left from my elementary school. So I'd see her from time to time, you know, uh, heading to the bus because she lived a few blocks from the school. Well, I saw Miss Essie. I believe the last time I was either about to graduate high school or graduated high school. And I was 17, 16 or 17 at that time. And I saw her and her daughter, you know, Neat had grown up as well. She was maybe about a year or so older than I was. And, you know, I'm all smiley and just happy to see him. I hadn't seen him in a long time. And I'm like, hi, you know, how you doing? She's like, hi same old kind of greeting and she said yeah you still pretty you got that pretty hair and stuff but i'll never forget that little girl who wrote that letter and that those uh pictures and, and she brought it back up on the street corner and i was just like wow she just would not <laughs> let that go and so i started thinking this morning and i thought about the years that whenever i would think about that it triggered negative feelings and, and, and emotions. And I guess it kind of caused certain things to happen in my life. It wasn't just an isolated incident, but that played a big part. Now today we have mentors and we have role models and I've been a mentor to my children and to other children and their friends. And I've worked in, you know, other, um, programs and I've done things with my own ministry so mentorship it ranges back then it wasn't as widely recognized um, or it wasn't into programs and stuff like it is today but that was an important relationship in my young formation years because here's this woman who came along and took notice of me as a timid little shy little girl and she started bringing me out of my comfort zone and you know I went to school looking forward to seeing her seeing her smiling face hearing her voice she'd ask me questions she'd leave the lunchroom on recess and come outside and she'd bring me little snacks and she'd say why don't you go over there and play jump rope and play ball and stuff and so eventually I did start to jump rope and play hopscotch and things like that so for many years it was a devastating uh relationship in my young years I, I was really devastated and initially I didn't realize how much but I often would look back to say wow I wish that you know she had said what she had to say and I wish she would have gotten over it. I wish she would have expressed it in a way like, you know, I'm really disappointed at you to get, you know, caught up in something like that. You're better than that. You should, even if he said this, that, and the other, you didn't have to. I wish that she, it would have been a teaching moment. She could have let me know how disappointed she was. Cause she was like, I, she just kept saying, I just thought she was just the sweetest little thing. And I wouldn't think that you would use, you know, profanity and stuff. And, and here's a funny thing about that, but not a funny thing. My father used to listen to all types of music. And I don't even think I've ever mentioned this to him because, you know, when I was growing up, you just didn't talk back to your parents and you didn't say stuff to your parents and you didn't, you know, well, you do this and that, you know, the way kids are quick to say that today. But my father used to listen to Parliament Funk and all of these different um, 
funk bands and, you know, he listened to the Motown and blues and all of this. I said before, my father was very eclectic when it came to his styles and music and stuff like that. And he listened to blues and fusion jazz. But I remember this one particular song and I can't even say it because the song had about three or four different curse words in it and they sang it as a kind of little rap I think it was like an interlude to one of the songs and he kind of played it often and I didn't like the song it was noisy I didn't like the beat but for some reason those lyrics stuck and I remember I'm gonna put my cousin on blast my cousin Tanya got me in trouble one day I was at the house visiting her again I'm, I'm a young kid I'm like nine ten by this time and we were in the house alone and I was upstairs, you know, taking my bath while she was doing stuff. And she started laughing. Tanya's a few years older than I am. She said, Steph, sing that song. Um, and she said the name of the song and I just started singing it. And the song says, well, some of you might know it. I can say the initials. Let me be careful here. But it says S God D get off your A and jam, everybody saying it keeps repeating that. And so I was saying it and she was cracking up laughing and my aunt Joyce walked in the door and she heard me singing this song and she said, Stephanie. And I got quiet. She said, what are you singing? I didn't have enough common sense as a kid to say, Tanya told me to sing it. And then it still will be like, well, so you know better. Why are you singing this song? So she said a few things to me while I was there and then it was time for me to go home that day anyway. So later on that day, we went home and she was sitting at the table with my dad and my mom and another one of my aunts and I went in the kitchen to get something to drink. And Aunt Joyce dropped a dime on me. She told my father while I was standing there and she's like, I came home and Steph was singing and he just looked at me. He's like, you know better. And I, I should have said, well, dad, you play the song in the house. I, I got that from, from you. And so I took the weight and I took the blame both times. And we, we, I'm talking to you women. A lot of times we allow people for whatever reason. I don't know why psychologically. I don't know why I was seven and eight. I'm not even going back on that trip. I don't need to lay across anybody's sofa to figure out why. I understand the environment that I was in. And honestly, I was a good child. I didn't veer off the path. I did I wasn't a troubled child. I did not stay in trouble. I did not go into rebellion and all of these kinds of things. But I also was not perfect, just like nobody is perfect. And so a lot of times we allow people to suck us into their environment and their worlds and you know, we hang our heads in shame. Miss Essie affected me for many years of my life. And so when I thought about it this morning, that was the thought that I had. There was no emotions. I don't feel shame or guilt. That was so that was 42 years ago. I don't feel anything attached to it. But what I was wishing was that, wow, I wish she had just said what she had to say. She could have fussed me out. 
And then a few days later came back and said, let me talk to you. Let me sit down and talk to you. Let me explain to you why young ladies don't do this. You don't let a boy do this. You don't just because a person does this doesn't mean that you have to act this way. You, you don't have to respond this way. You don't, you know, and I wish that she would have still been a friend to me that would have gone a long way but it didn't unfortunately it didn't turn out that way and at some point and I'm going to say probably in my 20s or 30s that was around the time that I kind of let it go and I stopped revisiting it wasn't something that just oh it just ate me up and the funny thing is when we went back um home and I was going through, you know, the neighborhoods. I went back to my elementary school and through the neighborhood. And I said it, I even said it on a video. I said, oh, that's where uh, Miss Essie, the lunch lady, she used to live over here on this block and, you know, things like that. And so it didn't affect me even then being in the neighborhood, seeing her block her house. I didn't, of course, I don't know if she still lived there. I don't know if she's still alive. Or anything like that but that was just an experience that I like I said was a bittersweet experience and it's not something that can be undone or redone and so you just have to get through it and release it do whatever you need to do and I bet you one thing I never got caught up or did anything or followed anybody like that again it did teach me in that way but Ladies, ladies, women, especially I'm talking to you today. Phenomenal women. That's what I'm calling this um, series that I'm about to do. Spotlighting phenomenal women. And there are many. In fact, I'm one and I'm taking pride in that. You know, I've raised my children. I thought about this this morning and I've mentioned it maybe on a few podcasts briefly, but I actually gave birth to my daughter, my second child at home. She told me a few times she's embarrassed by that. And I'm like, seriously, really? You're embarrassed that God blessed your mother to be able to give birth to you with no one around and you came out healthy and well and to this day she's still doing very well in life and so I, I don't I didn't talk about it for many years I didn't even write about it or anything but then one day I was talking to a lady and she said my goodness woman you are awesome she said do you know how phenomenal how awesome that is you delivered your own child you should talk about that you should toot your own horn you should be proud about that yes I was able to bring a life into this world and I told her then I said hey at least it was a clean house in a clean bathroom we started off with my um mother-in-law for a short period of time we were newly married and you know it was a three-story home three bed three floors and our bedrooms were on the top and the bathroom was on the second floor and then I told her hey it was your fault I had three false alarms you sent me to the hospital three different times and it was false and so they kept sending me home and her great-grandmother said I bet you any amount of money this baby gonna come when everybody go away because everybody was about to go on vacation and they were trying to wait for me to have her and then my mother-in-law said I bet this is a big old head girl she said ain't nobody 
nobody putting you through this much trouble but a girl. It got to be a girl. They wanted a girl so bad, but she would not even turn around on the ultrasound so that the doctors could make out who she was. She would stay curled up. I should have knew then. And um, so I didn't know what I was having until she was born. And just when they said, all right, look, call us if anything happens. I'm going. Uh, the great grandmother was on her way to Saluda in South Carolina. Uh, my mother-in-law and her boyfriend at the time, they ended up getting married. They were on their way to another part of South Carolina. And my parents were about to take a plane trip to Florida. So everyone left within a few days of each other. She decides to start giving me contractions after four o'clock in the morning. I thought I just had to get up and go to the restroom. Ladies, you know how it is when they start bearing down on your bladder and I could barely make it down those steps, but I didn't see a need to wake my husband or anything, anybody like that. And I went in the bathroom and locked the door and it was almost like I was held captive. I remember that pain being so strong. It just dropped me to my knees. Yes. You did that to me, dropped me to my knees. And I was like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. And I remember my brother-in-law was home visiting from college and he had had a few friends downstairs and they were, I didn't know who was down there or what was going on. It was quiet because they were up late and you know, everybody had went to sleep. And so I'm yelling and I'm calling his name and nobody's hearing me. So I closed the door because there was no way I could get back up the stairs I couldn't do anything. I I didn't have a, a, a cell phone or anything. This was in 91. And so I was trapped in the bathroom and I, I started thinking fast, like, oh my goodness. I could tell that I was close to the time to give birth. And I said, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? And I opened the door. I remember crawling. I was on my knees. I opened the door. I yelled again. I yelled. I'm yelling his name. Nobody heard me. And so I closed the door again. I turned on the cold water in the sink and in the tub. I filled up the bathtub with cold water. Um, I remember we kept, we had an, a tall etager behind the toilet uh, at the back of it. And we kept white, uh, white towels and cloths and all kinds of stuff uh, clean, folded. And we had shelves of it. Um, we kept the basement loaded with all kinds of supplies. So the bathroom was always clean. I definitely cleaned it. And I, I had enough common sense to lay towels over the, um, the rug that we had on the floor. I spread everything out. I'm, I remember I'm sweating. I'm doing the breathing routine that I learned from the only one Lamaze class that I took. <laughs> And I'm just like, okay, Steph, you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do this. And I, I gave birth to her right there. She was born sometime after 5 a.m. And finally, I screamed loud enough to be heard and it woke him up. And it's like, oh, you know, and, you know, my husband came down off the third floor and he's just like, what's, what's up? What's going on? All sleepy. And she's lying right there on her back. And at the time, I didn't even realize that she wasn't crying or anything. I, I'm not a doctor. I didn't think to smack her butt and all the things that they do. And she's just lying there. And he's like, what? And I'm just looking at him. I think I was in a state of shock. And I'm just looking at him. He's like, oh, snap, you had the baby. Oh, my goodness. And he closed the door. 
he comes back and he's like, what is it? What, 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 what is it? What we have? And I'm looking at him like, we, you was upstairs asleep. You, we ain't have nothing. What did I give birth? <laughs> and I didn't even know. Honestly, I didn't even know. I looked down at her and I'm like, uh, it's a girl. I was like, can you go call 911? He's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he opened the door and he said, you all right? She all right? I said, could you please go call 911? Paramedics come and they're like, wow. Oh, good job, mom. You did a good job. He said, I just got to clip your umbilical cord. Hang on. And, you know, we're going to get you out of here. And I, they strapped me down to um, the the bed in the, the straight jacket. That didn't feel very good. But they had to carry me down the stairs. So they took her. And I come outside, hair all over the place feeling crazy and you would think it was a big victory like a celebrity came home people are out on the block people are hanging out their windows some people are on their third floor in the bedrooms because uh, my sister-in-law she lived there at the time as well and well we left definitely we left early she, she was still in the house for many years but at that time she was there with her son and she was in a state of shock when she got the news and she came and pushed the bathroom open and she just didn't say a word. And she went on down the steps and went over to our neighbor Renee's house and Renee was a nurse. So when she told Renee, Renee came over and she said, okay, all right, Steph, it's okay. Oh, you did good. Oh, look at her. She's so beautiful. Okay, don't worry. Paramedics are coming. And so a lot of people started getting the news. Steph had the baby and I come outside shocked and people are like, congratulations, Steph. Oh my goodness. I'm so happy. Congratulations. Oh, what you have? And the paramedics like, it's a little girl. Everything's fine. They're fine. And uh, yeah, it, it was a really strange experience. The funny thing about it and the thing that I remember is when my, um, my husband and sister-in-law were there, they were visiting. My phone kept ringing like every three to five minutes. The phone was ringing off the hook. And at first it was okay, but you know, family members were calling, friends were calling. And if you're like, hey, how you doing? Girl, how'd you end up having a baby at home? What'd you do? So then I'd be like, well, I got up at four. And I, my husband was like, if I have to sit here and hear this story one more time. And his sister was just cracking up laughing. Everybody wanted to know. I think that should have been published in the paper. But thank God we made it through. And today she's in her late 20s. I won't put it on blast, but she's done very well. I'm a very proud mama. And yes, that makes me a phenomenal and a strong woman. Men, you cannot do what we do. Stop trying to discount us. Stop trying to play us down like we are not that beautiful creation that God has created because we are. And I need you to understand women as I am closing this out. I went longer than I expected to because I really wanted this to be like a precursor to uh, the women that I am about to talk to you about. And I'm not going to go into any lengthy details. There's a lot of phenomenal women, a lot of women who have accomplished great things. But guess what? They too have made mistakes. They have 
failed in some areas. Some of them have messed up. We know I'm not going to name any of the big time headliners today. Good, bad, ugly, or indifferent. We know who the movers and shakers are. We know the successful women who have had downfalls. Some of them have gone to prison with their husbands, scheming, scamming. Some have got caught up in scandals. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So please do not take this information or do not look at other women and say, well, that's them. They did ABC. They had, well, I can't do that because this was my upbringing. This was, we all have that story. We all can say things. We all can blame. We all can make excuses. But in the end, where is that really going to get you? Own up, fess up, take responsibility for the mistakes that you have made do whatever you can to salvage whatever you can but other than that shake the dust off dust your knees dry your eyes get up and move forward the past cannot be undone the past cannot be redone the past will never return to us it's like that water flowing up the excuse me flowing up the stream it, once it passes you, even if you step into it, you will never touch that same water again. It's gone. Let it go. Release it. Embrace your beauty. Embrace your true inner beauty. I am not talking about, as Paul said, the mere adorning of the outside. You can fix up the outside all you want and it can look good, but there can still be cracks in the foundation. And that's what God wants to deal with, with all of us, especially his children. He wants to take care of those cracks in the foundation so that we can be whole. And no man will ever make you whole. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. When you come into relationship, you should already be complete and self-assured and know who you are. Never look to a man like he's going to be your knight in shining armor. He's not there. He's not capable of delivering you. There's only one man equipped for that job and it's already been done. I'll talk to you again soon on the next one.